The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Uh, we've been talking about it uh, throughout the day. The first photograph of a black hole was w- was revealed by scientists early this morning. It looks like a fiery orange and black ring of gravity, twisted light swirling around the edge of an abyss, or as Eileen described it, as a flaming donut. Other people are describing it as that glowing eye from the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Whatever you want to call it, the achievement is being called a beautiful and profound moment in science, even worthy of a Nobel Prize. Joining us with more is Frank Florian, the Director of Planetarium and Space Sciences at TELUS World of Science. Hi, Frank. Oh, hi, Jalen. Okay, so beautiful, profound, some of the words being described to, uh, to, uh, you know, to describe this announcement, this picture today. How do you describe it? I call it groundbreaking. Uh, being able to actually photograph something like that uh, for the very first time is, uh, again, quite an achievement uh, for all the scientists involved uh, in doing so. It's, a, it's an incredible thing. These black holes have been, you know, something of uh, fantasy for so long <laughs> in a way. We never... You know, we can only use the math to say these things should exist, and there's other things uh, that suggest that they were there. But being able to see, uh, you know, the air region surrounding the black hole and then the event horizon itself, that's something totally new. So, Frank, I've got a lot of questions for you here, and sure. some of them are going to be pretty basic, but I need you to explain them, okay? Sure, you bet. <laughs> what is a black hole? Well, a black hole is a really massive object where the escape velocity is greater than light. Here on the Earth, in order to get into Earth orbit, you've got to go about 11 kilometers per second in order to escape Earth's uh, gravity and uh, go off to the moon or somewhere else in space. With a black hole, basically what it is, it's a, a star, uh, it's formed from a star in its last leg of its life, or the smaller ones anyway, that uh, collapses in on itself, not enough gas pressure blows itself up and uses a supernova explosion in its last leg of life, and then the material left behind, uh, uh, basically gravity cannot be stopped. Uh, the It just basically implodes on itself until it gets to be really, really small and compressed object, and uh, there's a region around it where no light can escape, and hence we call it a black hole. How many black holes are there? You know, there's probably uncountable okay. black holes both in our Milky Way galaxy as well as in other galaxies, as we can see in this one. This is a galaxy about 55 uh, million light years away from our own galaxy, and it's a, it's a really you know, far away distant thing. And uh, that galaxy itself, this is the center of that galaxy. Even that galaxy itself, there might be other black holes. So they're probably littered throughout the entire universe. Okay, and they come in different sizes, right? <laughs> That's right. Just like people, we all come in different sizes, shapes and things like that. With black holes, they all come in different sizes, but the shape is normally the same. It's, they're going to be some spherical object of some type. At least the, the uh, event horizon will be a spherical object. And then, of course, this material surrounding the black hole, which is gas, heating up uh, as it swirls, being um, eaten up by the black hole itself. So I think the one that they were talking about today um, was found in Sagittarius A. Is that correct? Uh, not quite, no. no okay. Sagittarius A is actually the black hole that resides within our oh, own Oh, in our Milky own. Way. Okay. And uh, yes, there this um, telescope, the Event Horizon Telescope, this array of radio telescopes around the world uh, will be imaging and probably has been imaging the center of our own Milky Way galaxy. Okay. And that's called, uh, the black hole there is called Sagittarius A because <laughs> the center of our Milky Way galaxy is in the constellation of Sagittarius the Archer. Uh-huh. But this particular uh, black hole was discovered in another galaxy. It's known as 
M87, Messier number 87. It was discovered back in March 18, 1781 by Charles Messier, who was a comet hunter. Hmm. And uh, over time, of course, we knew that these fuzzy things that he discovered were galaxies or other things. And this one here happens to be a super giant elliptical galaxy. It doesn't have any discernible shape other than this big blob of... Um, elliptical light when you look at it through a telescope and uh, this one's in the constellation of Virgo and in fact uh, that constellation of Virgo and these constellations uh, these these uh, <laughs> deep sky objects these uh, galaxies uh, are visible sort of in our uh, spring sky so if you go out with a big enough telescope you can look at some of these galaxies yourself but you won't see the black hole no. like what they did so if black holes were invisible until today how were they photographed well, that's a good question. This isn't quite the same kind of photograph as you going out there with your digital camera and taking a photograph of light. This is actually using radio telescopes. They're looking at uh, a wavelength of, again, the observed electromagnetic spectrum in at the 1.3 millimeter size. And that brings it into sort of uh, the, the radio wave end of the spectrum. And because of that, uh, this particular um, image is different over a light telescope, uh, but they get these radio... Uh, waves, which are again just another form of light okay. in a way uh, that these things pick up and then it goes through some software that's uh, again very ingenious to <laughs> combine all the the radio noise from this object from different uh, radio telescopes around the world and because the Earth is pretty big they use this as a big baseline so it, it makes the Earth itself become like the big detector itself so you get a fairly good resolution of uh, this object but it's looking at it in sort of the, the radio end of the spectrum not in visible light spectrum this is so cool i mean this is just really cool stuff and i you look at the the people have been working on this uh, for ages and once again i sit back and wondering what the heck i've been doing with my time because you know these are these are really really cool discoveries um what does this photograph or this image allow scientists to do next frank well, uh, they're going to be looking at the uh, massive black hole in the center of our own Milky Way galaxy. That's the ne next step. And by, again, using this new means of imaging these very uh, condensed objects, uh, they'll be able to look at other galaxies and maybe hmm. even use this for looking for maybe, who knows, more exotic matter somewhere else in the universe somewhere. This Event Horizon Telescope, what can you tell us about it? Well, it's not just one telescope again. This is an array of radio telescopes from the Atacama oh. Desert. They have a very large array, this group of different, um, uh, variety of different radio telescopes, plus uh, radio telescopes in uh, Australia and elsewhere around the world. And they're all kind of connected together to give what's called a, something called an interferometer. Interferometer is just a fancy way of saying you've got like multiple telescopes, either optical or, in this case, radio telescopes, that are all linked together to give you a bigger picture. Hmm. So each one actually samples a little bit of um, what they're looking at from their location, and in the end, you get a you put all that together, you, you get together. a bigger picture. Like layering it all together almost. Exactly. Oh, interesting. Frank Florian, uh, the Director of Planetarium and Space Sciences at TELUS World of Science, joining us this afternoon. Now, uh, a big day on another front at uh, the World of Science. Tell us about Legends of the Northern Sky. Yeah, well, Legends of the Northern Sky is actually a local production that we have now playing in our Ziedler Dome, our planetarium theater. Uh, we've actually approached, or we're 
we were approached by a local producer, Perry Shulak, who said, you know, it'd be really great if, uh, you know, we, we started creating our own shows. Uh, there's, a, there's a market for it. And uh, we thought, you know, yeah, we should actually do that. We have a brand new theater. It's one of the best in the world. Uh, we should actually do something that, that talks a little bit about uh, the culture here in Canada. In fact, we decided to go to the Aboriginal stories of the sky. So the show, Legends of the Northern Sky, looks at, again, not the European, like the Roman and Greek constellation figures that, you know, that if you uh, learn a little bit about astronomy, amateur astronomy, you learn these figures that are created by our you know ancestors in mm-hmm. that part of the world many years ago. But there was a really rich culture, and there still is here in Canada with the Aboriginal uh, the Cree Nation, Blackfoot, and others uh, across Canada that had their own stories of the night sky. Uh, sometimes some of those stories almost are a little, little bit reminiscent of other stories around the world as well. Um, and so we decided, you know, it's time that we really explored uh, the, these really rich stories of the Aboriginal people of Canada. And uh, that's what this uh, show is. It has two main stories that are actually being told in it. The artwork is incredible. Uh, it uh, kind of creates a bit of a spiritual uh, image of animals and things like hmm. that. Again, kind of uh, really taking a lot of the, uh, the thoughts of the Aboriginal uh, peoples of Canada and blending it into the show, both in their stylized kind of artwork to, uh, again, the story that's actually being told. And, uh, again, this is a first for us to, to be able to do in our new Ziedler Dome and uh, something we're very proud of to do. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Congratulations. I have, uh, and people, and just go on to the Telus World of Science website, telusworldofscience.ca. You'll find out all the information there for when you can go check that out. Frank, I have one more question from a, from a texter, okay? Of course, sure. It says, what's the difference between a black hole and a neutron star? Well, uh, the black hole uh, is a really, really dense object. A neutron star, it's dense, but not as dense as black hole. So neutron stars in, in matter, we know there's a proton, an electron, and a neutron. Uh, if you squeeze a proton into an electron and a bunch of other things, you get a neutron. So eventually what happens is that when, when stars end their life, and if they're not too, too big, they'll collapse in on themselves until the star itself becomes almost like one big group of neutrons, so the, the subatomic or the stuff that matter is made of compresses so far that uh, you basically create a whole bunch of neutrons in a way. That's why they call it a neutron star. Hmm. Whereas a black hole, nothing can stop the gravitational collapse. So uh, normally when you get down to the atom, there's the, the strong nuclear force that kind of holds the atom together. Uh, and uh, as you you know put atoms together, the gravity kind of takes over there as the mass increases. Eventually, you know, when you get a large amount of mass, uh, it compresses it so far, but again, with a black hole, you get so much mass that not even the forces, the nuclear forces, the things that kind of hold atoms to, uh, up and together can actually withstand the, the gravitational collapse. So the, that material still collapses further down. Now, we don't know what happens to that material. We, we, have, we call it a singularity, basically a point in space yeah. with infinite density but really no dimension to it, right? Uh-huh. Uh, that, that's, that's, uh, that's a mathematical concept of what it is. But maybe matter itself, when you compress it, compress it to another point uh, and might have some dimension to it, but we don't know that. All, all we can say is that, you know, as far as we know, gravity takes over and there's nothing that we know of yet 
that can stop the gravitational collapse. Wow. So it brings all the matter to a point. That, that's what makes it a black hole. So a neutron star is still something of a sizable shape. It lets light away from it, or light can escape from it, so the gravity of it is not as great as something like a black hole, where that, that point in space is so massive that uh, this thing called the event horizon is a region around a black hole where no light or information really can escape from. Clear as mud, Frank. Well, <laughs> I appreciate no, it, though. No problem. I hope it made some. Yeah, it, it did. And I've, I've been doing a little bit more reading, and there's a lot of great stories uh, online right now about this as well. Frank, always always great to talk with you. Thank you so much. Well, thanks, Shailen. Have a great day. Yeah, you too, Frank Florian at the TELUS World of Science. And make sure you go check out Legends of the Northern Sky. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.